The Sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Advent and Christmas. Continuing his sermon for the third Sunday of Advent, St. John the Baptist's Great Humility. Oh, how far was St. John the Baptist's spirit from that of our times! He did not discourse beautifully in replying to the messengers sent to ask if he was the Messiah. He contented himself by simply answering that he was not the Christ. Surely if they had wanted to know simply what his profession was, without doubt they would have been informed of the truth, and with more words. But since they took him for what he was not, he succinctly stated that he was not the one whom they thought him to be. We, on the other hand, are extremely receptive to the honors that are extended to us. Our human nature is anxious to attract whatever is to its advantage, and we are greatly taken with every dignity and preeminence. To those who flatter us, we say, Oh, it is true that I have been gifted with that grace. Yes, I have it, but it is God's gift. It is a result of his mercy, and other such words. An unimportant gentleman will imagine himself to be from a great family, a cavalier, and when someone asks him, Who are you? He will answer what he imagines to be the case. I am a gallant lord, a valiant cavalier from a great house and family. Ordinarily, these men are nobodies. But the less they are, the greater they desire to appear. Folly and nonsense. Who is he? Do you hear him? He is a St. Peter. In short, our self-love is such that it not only draws to itself all the glory that in any way belongs to it, but also that which in no way belongs to it. In this we act quite differently from the glorious St. John, who is not content simply to reject what does not belong to him. He even refuses what he could justly have accepted. The envoys demand of him, Since you are not the Christ, are you Elijah? And he answers, No, I am not. Surely he could have answered that he was. For although he was not Elijah in person, he did come, nevertheless, in the spirit of Elijah, so that he could have said of himself, as we say today, He has the spirit of such a one, or he does such a thing impelled by such a spirit. How then, if St. John came in the spirit of Elijah, can he say in truth that he is not? And he does not lie any more than if he had said he was Elijah. He knew that it was written that before the day of the Lord, a great prophet, an excellent man named Elijah, would rise up among the people, that he would come to teach them and dispose them for the coming of the sovereign judge. He knew then that if he said he was Elijah, they would likely take him also for the promised Messiah. This is why he denied and said, I am not admirable humility. He rejects not only what does not belong to him, it is the first degree of humility not to wish to admit nor seek to be held or esteemed for what we are not, but he goes much further and finds a manner of speaking by which he can even reject the honor that belongs to him without being untruthful. He does this promptly, without disputing or using many words. Frankly and freely, he says, no, I am not. Hearing this second denial, they then asked him a third question. 
If you are neither the Christ nor Elijah, at least you are some great prophet. You cannot deny this truth, for your works are proof of it and give ample evidence and testimony. Nevertheless, this glorious saint remains firm in his humility and replies, I am not. But how can St. John in truth make this third denial? He who was not only a prophet, but more than a prophet. Our Lord himself, with his own mouth, declared this aloud to the Jewish people. How then dare he affirm, I am not? All the ancient fathers greatly admire these three denials of this glorious saint and are astonished at them. They say that in them, St. John went to the furthest extreme and that if he had gone just a little further, he would have lied. Yet, of course, he did not lie. But how could he assert that he was not a prophet, knowing indeed that he was, and that God himself had declared it? Note that it was further promised in the Jewish law that a great prophet would be sent to them. I know there are different opinions as to who this great prophet would be, but the most common is that it would be none other than the Son of God. St. John knew that they were not simply asking him if he were just another prophet, that if he answered affirmatively, they would certainly conclude that he was that great promised prophet and acknowledge him as such. So he simply denied it, seeing that without lying, he could still answer that he was not. It is as if he said, If you were only asking me who I am, I would answer you quite simply. If you wanted to know, for instance, if I am merely a prophet, I would frankly admit that I am, and even that I was sent to prepare the way for the Messiah. But because all your demands seem to have but the one end, to identify me with the promised Messiah, I answer that I am neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. And in this, he did not lie. Notice then how St. John eschewed the temptation to pride and ambition, and how humility suggested to him skillful ways of not having to admit or accept the honor they wished to render him, cleverly concealing who he really was. He had no doubt that in a figurative sense, he was indeed Elijah and the prophet. God himself had declared him to be more than a prophet. Nevertheless, seeing that he could truly affirm that he was not as they thought and could thereby avoid the honor they wished to render him, an honor that should be referred to God alone, he answered, I am not. Without doubt, theologians assure us, we too can speak with a similar skill and prudent cleverness when such is warranted by the circumstances, and this without fear of lying. But many have interpreted this permission incorrectly and have actually said things far from true without thinking they were lying. Some have even gone so far as to believe that they can utter falsehoods where there is a question of God's glory. If we reprove them for it, saying, But in such an act or manner of speaking you are untruthful, they will answer, Oh, that is true, but it is for God's honor that I lied. <laughs> what utter folly! You are making fun of people by speaking in that way, as if God could actually be honored by a sin. That can never be. 
we must never lie to honor God. Such is an insult and a great mistake. St. John does not act in that way at all, for he could truthfully answer as he did, as I have just pointed out to you. Astonished by St. John's denials, these ambassadors retorted, Why do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Why do you have disciples and perform such wonderful deeds? In what spirit do you do these things? Surely you are trying in vain to hide and conceal. Your works prove to us that you are someone very great indeed. We ask you this so that we may know how to reply to those who sent us. See, they almost lost patience over St. John's humility. <laughs> Truly, the ambassadors needed the great virtue of patience. It is very necessary, not only for ambassadors, but for all Christians. That is why I always say that patience is the true virtue of Christians. He confessed and did not deny that he was not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. These words are better explained in Hebrew. The Hebrew language is a marvel, altogether divine. It is the language our Lord spoke when he was in this world, and according to some doctors' interpretations of 1 Corinthians 13.8, it is that which the blessed speak in heaven above. Hebrew words always have a remarkable grace in all they express. He confessed and did not deny. These words are almost identical, because to confess one's fault is not to deny it. And not to deny it is to confess it. Nevertheless, there is a slight difference between the two. On this subject, I will say a few words about confession, although I have touched upon it at other times and in other churches. But perhaps those who heard me then are not present, and others I know have since died. Many confess and deny at the same time. By this I mean that many confess their faults, but in such a way that at the same time they accuse themselves, they excuse themselves. They admit that if indeed they committed the fault which they now acknowledge, they certainly had reason for doing it. Not only do they excuse themselves while accusing themselves, but they accuse others as well. I became angry and consequently committed such a failing, but I had good reason for it. They made me do or say such a thing. It was for the, such a reason. Is it not clear that in confessing in this way, one is denying it at the same time? Say simply, it was through my malice, my impatience and ill nature, or the result of my passions and unmortified inclinations that I have committed such and such a fault. Do not say, I have spoken ill of others, but it was on matters so obvious that I am not the only one who said or saw it. By this kind of talk, we deny being guilty of the fault of which we accuse ourselves. We must not do that. Rather, we must confess clearly and plainly, owning the fault and holding ourselves truly guilty, without being anxious about what others may say or think about us. This is what I am, we ought to say. This is how the glorious St. John acted. He confessed and did not deny. This has been taken from The Sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Advent and Christmas, 
translated by Nuns of the Visitation, and edited by Father Louis S. Fiorelli, OSFS. Published in 1987 by Ten Books and Publishers Incorporated, Rockford, Illinois, and aired with permission of the publisher. This book may be purchased online at www.tenbooks.com or by calling toll-free 1-800-437-5876.